Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. Today on the State of Ukraine, who is setting fire to Russian military recruitment centers? I'm Greg Dixon. Right after Russia invaded Ukraine in early 2022, a wave of arson attacks hit Russian military recruitment centers. Then last September, when Russia began mobilizing its reserve forces, there was another round of arson attacks. And there have been more incidents this summer. According to the independent Russian media outlet Media Zona, there have been around 150 acts of arson in all. NPR's Mary Louise Kelly spoke to the English language editor of Media Zona, Mika Golubovsky. Let me start with the, this, the very obvious, basic question of why? Why are people burning down recruitment offices in Russia? Well, you know, the motives are uh, versatile. I mean, at first, it was an emotional reaction of people who were opposed uh, to the war, and that's how they expressed their anti war feelings. Then, after the first wave of mobilization, the so-called partial mobilization started, practical reasons were added because some people thought that by burning down uh, recruitment offices, they would uh, actually destroy the files. It will be harder to draft them to go and fight the war in Ukraine. There were financial motivations and... The last huge spike, which was just earlier in August, in in the very start of August, it was really chaotic and it looked more like a phone scamming. Uh, So people were lured by very, you know, elaborate schemes into actually preparing uh, a Molotov cocktail and going uh, to set the recruitment office on fire. A phone scam campaign organized by who? Uh, that is not completely clear. I mean, there are various hypotheses uh, on this part. It could be uh, it could be Russian secret services in some cases. It could be anti-war activists. It could be Ukrainian secret services, perhaps. But that we don't know for sure. We do know that uh, the FSB, Russian secret Ser- service, and Russian police are prone to framing people by various and elaborate ways, and it could be one of those. So you're telling me this could actually be Russian security services paying people to attack Russian military recruitment offices in order to frame them so they can prosecute? Yeah, maybe not paying per se, but promising pay, yes, yes. We know of a case in Yaroslavl where a young woman was... uh, they're now charging her with attempted arson, although she didn't actually do anything. And provocation by the security forces seems, looks like very, very plausible in this case. And I'm pretty sure it's not the only one. Does the Kremlin acknowledge these attacks? Do they comment on them at all? I mean, they comment on each individual attack not the Kremlin, but like local authorities or security forces, they do comment on it, but no one acknowledges uh, 
this to be like a movement or anything like that. Because, you know, the Kremlin's narrative is that all Russians support the so-called special military operations, support the war, and uh, acknowledging that just the, the, the sheer amount of it would uh, raise a lot of questions about people's, you know, feelings about what's, ha what's happening. I want people to know, Mika, that you um, you are able to speak freely with us today because you are not in Russia. You're in yeah. Lithuania. Is your site as MediaZona still blocked in Russia? Yeah, it's it's constantly being blocked. I mean, the, our mirror sites are constantly being blocked. I think it's uh, we have over 180 mirror sites now. But people do get access to our reporting in Russia on social media, on Telegram, on mirror sites and that kind of with uh, VPNs and that kind of stuff. Do you still have staff reporting in Russia? Uh some, yes. Uh but we definitely wouldn't want to disclose like their names, <laughs> you know, because it's really it's 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 dangerous. Understood. That's Mika Golubovsky, English language editor for the independent Russian media outlet Mediazona. Speaking to us today from Vilnius, Lithuania. Mika, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the State of Ukraine from NPR News. We'll see you again soon. On this week's episode of Wildcard, comedian Bowen Yang says you don't have to feel bad for falling short on mindfulness. I get in my own way by, like, over-privileging the present. It's so interesting because everyone wants to be in the present. I feel like being present is overrated. I'm Rachel Martin. Join us for NPR's Wild Card Podcast, the game where cards control the conversation. I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. Join me on Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. When you hear Birmingham, Alabama, you might think about the civil rights movement, but maybe not about baseball. But as the oldest pro ballpark in America, Rickwood Field saw the struggle for freedom play out right there on the dirt and grass. I'm Roy Wood Jr. I grew up in Birmingham, and I'm going to tell you this whole story. Listen to Road to Rickwood from WWNO and WRKF, part of the NPR Network.